Hello everyone, I'm Christy Michelle, the School and Library Coordinator for Little Brown Books for Young Readers. Welcome to the latest edition of our podcast. Today we have with us Jennifer Torres, author of Steph Soto, Taco Queen, which came out last year, and Florin Miranda Steele, The Show, which comes out this June. Florin Miranda Steele, The Show, is an affecting middle grade novel about two young Latina girls, Flor and Miranda, and the one adventurous day they spend at a traveling carnival. It's full of family, friendship, tough decisions, and my favorite, food. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me. First, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you came to writing. Oh, absolutely. So I am from California. I grew up in Southern California, but until recently lived in the Central Valley, so um kind of right in the middle of the agricultural heart of California, where Flora Miranda is set. Um, Like them, I grew up in a Mexican-American family, but not in such a rural community. Um, And I was always a very active, eager reader. So if there's an opposite of a reluctant reader, I was that. Um, But I didn't often um, encounter characters who looked like me or sounded like me in books. And so that was... um, something that continues to to drive me as a writer is making sure that experiences that were similar to mine um, are are present in children's literature. I actually got my start writing as a newspaper reporter. I worked for uh, about 10 years in local newspapers and magazines and was always just drawn to the stories of everyday people and how ordinary lives can sometimes be so extraordinary. And in fact, Although I got to cover lots of interesting beats and um, you know worked on some really fun, compelling features, if there was a kind of story that I liked best overall, it was always writing obituaries because it was just kind of um, such a unique opportunity to get inside quiet lives and um, learn some surprising things about people. That's that's surprising. Usually I hear people say they don't like writing obituaries. Like, that's the stereotype. <laughs> it is. I mean, it went, I mean, it's obviously a sad occasion, but if you look at it another way, you're getting to talk to loved ones about someone they cared very much about and um, getting to, you know, a window into a life that you wouldn't otherwise have no way to access. So um, I always felt like it was such a privilege to spend some time with relatives and to get to know this person that um, was gone and who they missed and um, had often done some pretty exciting and interesting things. Um, I think that carries over into fiction, too. I like writing about, um, you know, contemporary families who um, lead seemingly pretty ordinary lives. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit more about Florin Miranda Steal the Show? I gave a little bit of an introduction, but could you give us more about what the book's about? Oh, absolutely. So Florida Miranda takes place over one day at an agricultural festival um, in the Central Valley. Um, Flor is the daughter of the petting zoo owner. Um, she's been living on this traveling carnival circuit for several years, and it's really become her home. It's the first place she's felt like she's really belonged. She knows the other carnival families well. They know her, and like she's always saying, they all look out for one another. 
Um, Miranda is also an 11-year-old Latina girl. She comes from that same area. However, she and her family are new to the uh, carnival circuit. She and her older brother and sister are part of a family ranchera band, um, Miranda y los Reyes. And um, they're sort of up-and-comers. They've had a lot of local success. Now they've joined this traveling carnival um, and are drawing in big crowds. And so they're sort of at a moment when they could have a big break um, and really sort of launch their performing career. Um, but that also sort of, without Miranda knowing it, that puts her at odds with Lord because um, in order to keep Miranda y Los Reyes at the carnival performing, uh, Miranda's father wants the band to have a shot at the big main stage, and he wants them to have a salary to go with it. And in order to pay that higher salary, the carnival owner is going to have to cut an act, and it's looking like it could be the petting zoo. When I was reading the book, that first chapter was so striking to me because it opens up with Floor going to see Miranda performing. And I could already feel a kind of camaraderie there. Like she was going to see her. She enjoyed watching her perform. And you could kind of feel the longing that she had for friendship with Miranda. But then she overhears the adults behind her. She overhears um, the person who's in charge of the carnival and who's basically her father's boss and um, Miranda's father. And what Miranda's father says about cutting the petting zoo that her that her father runs like it just cut through me it was just such a great opening chapter i thought it set everything up so perfectly oh thank you yeah it's such i mean it's not maybe fair to miranda but it is it's like a feels like a betrayal to floor like she's invested time and interest and enthusiasm in this band and then it just gets undercut so um viciously kind of by um, these other circumstances that she had, you know, she had no idea what was going on behind the scenes and it's only by accident that she finds out about it. Um, And so that sort of sets the stage for that immediately changes, um, I guess, her perception of what their relationship is and could be Mm -hmm. um, and sort of sets up what happens the rest of the day. So going off of that, how were you able to maintain the, t- the tension between the real fear Floor feels at losing what she considers her home? Because the traveling carnival is really where she feels the most comfortable. And she's, she has a lot of friends there, but she considers them her family. And there are a lot of adults at the traveling carnival, and they all kind of look out for her. And she, in a way, looks out for them too. So how did you maintain the tension between the, the fear she feels at losing her place there, and how much she wants to be friends with Miranda. Yeah, I mean, so I should say that when I started writing, the book was all from Flora's perspective. Um, It was definitely in a lot of ways inspired by um, Selena, both the real-life singer and the movie, which I think are both touchstones in their own way. And I was just really interested in what it feels like to be close to that kind of charisma and to watch someone who's... um, you know, on the way up. Um, so in that scenario, Floor was sort of much more like a traditional antagonist. But then 
hers is also such a compelling story. You know, like raw talent takes you so far, mm -hmm. but pursuing the kind of dream she's after also takes so much hard work and discipline and commitment. And she's at an age when she can start to distinguish, um, you know, what is her dream versus what is her dad's dream and where do they overlap or not. So um, I just got so interested in Miranda's story and her voice and how she's the world as well. So that the, the story of a friendship became much, much more interesting to me than the story of a rivalry. And we can kind of get to know both characters as they get to know each other. Um, so at the beginning, uh, Flor has a fairly straightforward goal. It's, you know, she's got to stop the star from singing. Mm -hmm. And she has a pretty straightforward motivation, and that's to save this family petting zoo and kind of the community that, as you said, has become her family. Um, and Miranda complicates things by being so kind of unstoppable um, and and likable. Um, but at the same time that Floor is becoming sort of more and more open to a friendship with Miranda or seeing her in a new light, she's also experiencing um, this carnival community through Miranda's fresh new eyes. And so that's um, like a constant reminder of what's at stake for her. So she's seeing Miranda become a part of this community or get to know this community, and that you know reinforces like I might be about to leave everything behind. So, for example, they have this kind of fun mini adventure involving a 4-H animal auction, which brings both girls together, and um, it involves a problem that takes both girls' talents and know-how to solve and get through. And I don't know how spoilery to get here, but immediately after, something happens involving one of Floor's own um, pets that kind of snaps her attention back to the immediate dilemma of, you know, whether her family will get to stay at the carnival and what it means um, that, what Miranda's success means for her. When I started the novel, I didn't know that it all took place over the course of a day. So that was something I really enjoyed kind of discovering that everything happens in just one day. And actually, when we switched to Miranda's perspective and she was talking about her father and her father's dreams and how she was like starting to discover what she wanted and how she was going to approach her father about what she wanted, it reminded me of the movie, Selena's movie. So that was cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's yeah, so much that's relatable about that story, just of, you know, who are we apart from our parents and what does it mean to chase after a dream? Yeah. Oh, I'm glad that came through. Okay, so let's dive into the question of class, because that was something, that's something I usually don't see in books for children. Sometimes I'll see it in nonfiction books, but it's not really something that's addressed in fiction for children. I found it really interesting how elegantly you showed that class is another way a person can be othered. For example, Floor doesn't want to go back to school, even though her mother wants her to go back to school. She doesn't want to go back to school because she has all these memories about how the other kids noticed her mended clothing and the other kids didn't want to come visit her at home. The only time they ever came to visit her was when her father offered to let them pet the animals on their farm. So I was wondering, could you elaborate a little bit more on that? Why did you want to write about class and 
why did you address it in the way that you did? Sure, absolutely. Um, so I don't want to say that they weren't out there, didn't exist, but I don't remember as a kid reading books in which the families or characters ever, you know, had money troubles or even, you know, talked about money or how much things cost or, like, I can't tell you right now if you had asked, like, what were the jobs of characters in books I read, I wouldn't know because I don't, I just don't recall it coming up. And so that told me as a young reader that, um, that the reason they didn't worry about money was because they didn't have to. And so that was, a, I, I had, you know, I always had a home. I always had enough to eat. We, we didn't struggle the way a lot of families struggle, but there definitely were times when uh, my family worried about um, bills and how much things cost and, and all that sort of thing. And so it can kind of feel uh, a little lonely and you can feel a bit disconnected. If you feel like I'm, you know, my family's the only one that is in this situation. Um, so I think that it's important to reflect on those conversations and anxieties that lots of families, even, you know, families that you, you wouldn't think of and that don't think of themselves as poor still face money trouble and still have to work for a living. And, and I think readers notice that. So it was important for me to um, represent that experience. But when it came to Flood, I think she certainly noticed ways that, you know, that she wasn't like her peers, or as you mentioned, her peers noticed things about her. They didn't come to her house to play. She didn't have brand new clothes all the time. Um, and that, again, can feel like kind of lonely and can feel like you're left out. At the same time, I wanted readers to identify with Floor and to identify and connect that meant that they couldn't feel sorry for her or feel like ashamed of her or pity for her and her family because I don't think that Flor feels sorry for herself. I don't think she feels ashamed. She just feels like she didn't quite belong. And so I think it's a fine line of making um, kind of a relatable economic experience that is something that, you know, readers you know, whatever their economic situation can find some resonance in. So you mentioned before, back when you were writing as a reporter, one of the things you enjoyed about writing obituaries was getting to know how people were in real life. And when you were just speaking right now about how you wrote about class in your novel, it just made me remember how much I appreciated the the tangible real world details that you put in there you didn't like hit the reader over the head with it it was just it was just there it was just real and I really like that Flora and Miranda are both 11 like we said but they work they're children but they work they work alongside their parents they work with their parents Miranda is the lead singer of um, her family's band and Flora helps her father run the um, the petting zoo at the carnival. This is one of the tangible details you put in there. They know how much things cost. Like they know the exact prices of things and they know how much work they would have to do in order to make that amount of money for the thing that they want to buy. But their parents, I, their, their parents never actually talked to them directly about money. So I found myself wondering how they learned so much about money 
even as there seemed to be a kind of silence around it. And I wanted to ask you, do you think money is something adults should talk about more openly with children? Sure. I mean, I think especially kids in um, the middle grades or, you know, early adolescents can sense tension and anxiety and, and they're aware of the little everyday decisions and sacrifices that get made when money gets tight. I mean, I certainly was. And, and you can be aware of that even if your parents never explicitly talk about it. You can see, you know, what gets purchased and what gets left behind at the grocery store. You can kind of hear conversations about, do we have the gas money for this? How many hours are you going to pick up this week? You know, I think kids pay attention to that and can sense anxiety. And so that um, makes those conversations seem more important. And then, of course, if you're not, if you're only hearing pieces of it and no one's talking to you directly, that kind of increases that level of, um, you know, awareness that something important is being talked about here. I'm not sure exactly what's going on and what it means. At the same time, both Floyd and Miranda are also at a moment in their lives when they realize, as I think many of us realize, no matter our economic situation, that maybe your parents don't actually have all the answers and maybe they don't always make the best decisions no matter how well-intentioned they are and that can feel so vulnerable I mean at one point I mean you know on the one hand it's it's empowering like all right I can make some decisions and um, I'm an independent person of you know my parents but at the same time these are the people who often we have always trusted and who are supposed to know what's what you know they're not supposed to get their families into economic trouble they're not supposed to not know what to do next um, they're your parents so that can feel that you know can increase anxiety and um, I think that Floyd and Miranda are sort of right there experiencing that so in terms of you know how we talk about money and families I feel like there's probably experts who know a lot more about this than I do but as I was saying earlier I think sometimes the silences that you mentioned mm-hmm. actually make the worries worse it's just like if you're not allowed to talk about it then you you really don't know what you can be sure of you don't know how bad or how positive the situation really is so I think that like as a parent myself I, I try to be aware that even if I'm not talking about money my kids are noticing what their father and I talk about and noticing when we are, you know, worried about how much things cost and so on. And so I think it's good to have honest conversations like this is the situation we're in and to the extent possible reassure kids that, you know, even though things are difficult right now, you will, we will always be together if that's the case. Or even if, um, you know, dad has lost his job and things are going to be a little difficult right now, but we can be sure that, you know, we'll always have a place to stay at grandma's house or, you know, whatever the case may be. I mm-hmm. think that honesty and reassurance can help and take away some of the mystery. Speaking about the silences of the adults just made me think right now about how in the novel, 
Um, so you have the world of the kids, right? You have the world with Flora and Miranda and their adventures that one day throughout the carnival. They meet other friends. Um, they go to all the different stalls. They, they have different rides. And then at the very end, not to give a spoiler, but at the very end, they basically have to achieve something together. I was just thinking about how the world of adults seems kind of different and removed, like separate and removed, but the kids are there in that world and they can overhear their parents speaking and they kind of like take on the anxieties of their parents, but I guess it manifests a different way through the kids than it does through their parents. And it also made me think about how Flor and Miranda have differences between them, but um, there are also these differences between Flor's father and his work, how he approaches his work, and Miranda's father and how he approaches work. So Miranda's father is so gung-ho about everything, right? <laughs> he like yeah, always he's got has a plan. plan. I mean, he had this dream for himself, and I think in some ways maybe he's kind of transferred it or projected it onto his kids. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't to say that they are not into it. I think that they're all very passionate and dedicated and and. And they're making sacrifices with their eyes open. They understand what they want and what it will take to get there, especially Miranda. So um, I don't want to say that he's forcing them into it, but he definitely has a clear idea of what it's going to take to get this done um, and is very ambitious and driven. Um, And, yeah, and then I think... um, Flora's dad is just kind of a different kind of character. I think he's hoping for the best and he knows what he wants, but he's um, much, I don't, I don't think like cutthroat is the right word, but he, you know, he also has some principles and ideals that he's sort of not willing to sacrifice in order to, it's not, you know, an all or nothing thing for him. Yeah, he's much more laid back, but his approach offers some like problems for Flora too. For sure. It's like, why aren't you doing something? Why can't you be a little bit um, more calculating and approach this like a business instead of like, um, you know, a dream? So I think she wishes he would be a bit more pragmatic um, and more active in um, keeping this petting zoo together. I really liked how how we kind of saw Flora and Miranda observing their parents. And I don't know if judging is the right word, but coming into their own as individuals, but also realizing their parents are individuals and they can have like opinions about their parents and how their parents approach things. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of part of this whole, like getting to see your parents as human with human failings, which, which like I said before, is like sort of, I think a really pivotal moment in you know your development. I, I have my kids are um, five and eight, um, and not too long ago, my eight-year-old asked me a question, and I didn't know the answer, and I was like, oh, I don't know, Alice, and she's like, Mom, just tell me, <laughs> like, because in her mind, I was holding out on her, like, mm-hmm. there's nothing I don't know, and if I'm not telling her, it's because for you know, I, it's not because I don't know, it's because I'm I don't just not holding, I'm just not telling her Um, so she can't conceive of a world in which I don't have the answer and I know that's going to change any second now Um, and that's good in some ways for both of us it's good for her to know that 
that I'm not perfect, but it's also a little scary to know that your parent isn't perfect, because what does that mean for you? You know, these are the people who are supposed to be looking out for you and make sure everything goes okay for you. So, so yeah, I think that they're sort of both of them beginning to understand their fathers in a new light. And it doesn't mean that their their parents are bad parents. I think both of them have very loving and engaged parents, but they also have very human parents. One idea the novel returns to again and again is the idea of home. The carnival is a home for Flora, and she wants to protect it. Uh, Miranda misses all her friends from school, and both girls wrestle with having to say goodbye and um, leaving things behind. There's this one line that I really love. It's on page 69, and it's from Floor's perspective. She says, It was my home. Miranda could find another stage to sing on, but the fair was the only place I belonged. I wanted to ask you what about this idea of home, of having a home, and um, of creating a home with people who aren't blood-related, but who who you consider your family, and of, of having to leave a home behind. What about this idea did you find attractive? I didn't make this connection until way later, um, which is a little bit embarrassing because it's so obvious. But while I was writing Flora Miranda, my family was in the midst of moving from Stockton, California, and the Central Valley back down to um, the Los Angeles area where I'm from and where I grew up. And so I had always considered L.A. home. Like, L.A. is where my family lives, and it's my home. We're living in Stockton for now. But as it became time to pack up and leave and kind of close the Stockton chapter, I started feeling so homesick for the Central Valley because um, after spending more than a decade there, that's where our friends were. That's where um, I had, you know, had my first jobs and been writing and um, started a family. And we were so such a part of that community. And so all those feelings of like kind of like excitement and wondering what's going to happen next are mixed with you know, anxiety and worry about what's going to happen next and what am I going to miss and is it ever going to be the same again? And I obviously lots of that kind of bled into the stories of both Flor and Miranda. So, you know, for Miranda, she has this great opportunity. She's um, kind of on the cusp of building this singing career, but it means she's leaving behind her friends and kind of a comfortable, safe, predictable life at school. And for Flood, she is, um, you know, she it's not because she's kind of being pushed out into the back into the world and having to leave this carnival community, and the prospect of that is very scary for her. But I think in both of their cases, this idea of kind of like leaving and finding home is a way to explore sort of small moments of bravery. So I think that comes to realize that even if she has to leave this all behind, she's made a friend. She knows what that's about. And these people who she loves and who love her back are always going to be there and she can connect with them. And she and home can be something that she takes with her. That's such a that's such a nice way of putting it. That's such a it makes me feel better just hearing you say that. <laughs> 
No, I worry about Bluff too, but I think she's in a good place when we leave her. Yeah. So I have one more question. What do you want readers to take away from the novel? Um, yeah, a lot of what I just said, that they're capable of, um, you know, of acts of bravery and courage, and that sometimes being courageous is just making a new friend or knowing that you can or, you know, taking a leap, you know, singing your own song. So I kind of wanted to celebrate those moments because I don't think that we often think about how scary it is to reach out and find new friends and make new connections. So I lied. I actually have one more question. It just came yeah. to me right now. So you have these two really um, amazing heroines in Flora and Miranda. And there's been a lot of talk lately about strong female characters and what makes a strong female character. And sometimes I've found in conversations that I've had with people that the idea that comes to mind is like a girl or a woman carrying a sword and actually fighting. But Flora and Miranda each are both like fierce heroines, I feel like, even though they're so different. Could you talk a little bit about that? About how you... Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think that kind of ties in really well to what I was trying to say earlier about kind of like quiet moments mm -hmm. of bravery. Because I, um, I would have been sort of I think I skew more towards Floyd. I was sort of um, a shy, more reserved kid. I wouldn't have been one to step out on stage and be in the spotlight. It just wasn't me. And so um, I don't think that, you know, a strong character who, you know, wields a sword and fights down the adversaries, um, I would have admired, but I wouldn't have necessarily connected with. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that we forget oftentimes um, a quieter kind of courage that is nonetheless really valuable and important. And I think um, in their own ways, both Lord and Miranda show different ways of being courageous and being strong, um, having integrity and being good friends and being good part of parts of members of a community. Back to what I was talking about way early on about the relationship between the two girls, that was another reason that I didn't want this to be a rivalry story or um, an adversarial story, you know, where they, you can only root for one and it can only be one, because I think that when it comes to strong female characters, we often get into the mindset where um, she's kind of like a lone fighter and she mm -hmm. has to win the day without any help and anyone else who has kind of talent or extraordinary ability is a threat or a rival. But I think often being strong means having friends and working together and being able to celebrate and support someone else's talent and achievement and, and their dreams as well. So you can be competitive and you can be ambitious without, um, cutting down someone else that absolutely comes through with Flora I was just thinking as you were speaking about the real admiration she has for Miranda even before they like officially meet at the beginning of the novel she's going to see her perform and of course it shines through over the course of the book as they spend more and more time together and Miranda has a lot of admiration for Flora too 
totally does. I think she admires the way um, Flor negotiates this carnival world and how um, she has a way with animals and is very intuitive in ways that Miranda isn't necessarily. So I think they both recognize qualities in each other. Yeah. Well, those are all the questions that I have. But if you have something that you would like to say, anything else that you would like to add, please do. No, I think you covered so much. I loved your question. They really got me thinking um, about the book, and I'm just so excited for to everyone else to meet Florida Miranda. I am too. All right, so Jennifer, thank you for writing the book, and thank you for taking the time to sit down with me for this podcast. It's been a lot of fun talking to you and a lot of fun learning more about the book, which I really enjoyed. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. For Miranda's Deal the Show hits shelves on June 12th, This has been Christy Michelle here with Jennifer Torres for the Little Brown School and Library Podcast. Until next time.